Section number 17 of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Chapter 17. A Woman Averse to Marriage. The Duke and Duchess of Downsbury had been so long absent from their home that on their return they felt the greatest pleasure and keenest interest in every one whose name they remembered. Lady Estelle had outgrown her weakness of constitution. For many years it had been quite uncertain how her illness would terminate. It was not so much a malady as a wasting of strength, an utter absence of all hope or energy, a strange languor that attacked both mind and body. Doctors recommended travel. Travel fatigued her. They recommended change. Change wearied her. Nothing on earth seemed to have the least interest for her. Beautiful, high-born, blessed with every advantage that wealth and rank can give, she was afflicted with that most terrible of all diseases, hopeless ennui. Then, after a time, her physical health failed her, and it became a question as to whether she would recover or not. It was the one great trial that her devoted parents had to bear. They would have given all they had, all they cared for most, to have seen her happy, bright, light of heart, as were others. That was never to be. On this morning, early in the month of May, the Duchess and her daughter were alone in the drawing-room of Downsbury Castle, a May morning that should have rejoiced the heart of a poet, crowned with golden rays of the sun, musical with the sweet song of birds. Lady Estelle stood at the window looking over the trees, a wistful expression in her fine eyes. She never moved quickly when any thought or idea occurred to her. She never turned with the rapid movement peculiar to some people. An idea had evidently occurred to her now, for her face flushed. The white skin was for some minutes dyed scarlet. She waited until it died away. Then she turned slowly and glanced at the Duchess. Mama, she said, have you heard how the interview between Papa and his agent passed off? Quite satisfactorily, I believe replied the Duchess. Everything is prosperous. The tenants are all well, and there has been no misfortune among them. Lady Estelle crossed the room. There was a beautiful stand of white hyacinths, and she bent over, caressing the beautiful buds. Do you remember the farmer we went to see? she continued. What was his name? The man with the honest face. Mark Brace, replied the Duchess. Yes, said Lady Estelle. Mark Brace. Do you remember him and that simple, gentle wife of his, and the two children, one as brown as a berry, and the other as fair as a lily with hair of shining gold? I remember them very well, replied her grace. Indeed, I could never forget that child. She was the most beautiful little creature I ever beheld, but she gave promise of being one of the worst. Oh, Mamma, do not say such a thing, cried Lady Estelle with more animation than was usual with her. 
"'Why not, my dear?' said the Duchess calmly. "'Great beauty and great wickedness so often go together.' "'But it seems such a cruel thing to say of a child, a little child.' "'Well, perhaps it does seem rather hard. "'But then the child gives promise of the man. "'And if ever child was precocious in vanity and ambition, "'that child was, you forget her.' "'Yes,' said Lady Estelle. It is so long since, I forget her. But you are generally merciful in your judgments, Mamma. It seems strange to hear you speak harshly of a child. The Duchess made no reply. The subject seemed to have no particular interest for her, whereas the beautiful point lace she was making had great claims on her attention. After a few minutes, Lady Estelle continued. I suppose nothing more has been heard of the child. No one has claimed her, or the story would have reached us. I must confess that I feel some little curiosity as to what she is like. I should be pleased to see her. If the girl bears out the promise of her youth, she would be worth seeing, said the Duchess. The entrance of her husband interrupted her, and she said no more. The Duke of Downsbury looked pleased. My dear, he said to his wife, I'm delighted. I have the finest agent in the country. The accounts and everything else are in the finest possible order. I'm so pleased that I thought of giving a dinner to the tenants. It could be no annoyance to you, and it would be a nice little act of attention after being absent for so long. The Duchess quite agreed with the project. It would be a compliment to them, and a pleasure to herself, she said. The Duke smiled to think what an amiable wife he had. "'To all your tenants, Papa?' said Lady Estelle in her graceful, languid way. "'Yes, all of them, rich and poor. But there are no poor.' She smiled. "'I shall see Mark Brace,' she said. "'I was just telling Mamma that I felt some interest in the child we saw. I should like to know how she has turned out.' The Duke's face lighted up. "'That pretty little girl,' he said, "'the one over whom there was a mystery. "'I had forgotten her, and the story, too. "'I should like to see her. "'What wonderful hair she had. "'I must tell Mark Brace to bring her over.' "'Mark Brace is a sensible man,' the Duchess hastened to observe. "'I'm sure he will understand. "'She was a vain child then, and she will be even vainer now.' No one knows what nonsensical ideas will fill her mind if she thinks she has been invited here. You might do her a great harm by such indiscretion. Tell him to bring her over if he likes, but tell him at the same time it will be as well for him not to mention it. He is sensible enough to understand. I see you are quite right, my dear. It shall be just as you say. And Lady Estelle hastened to add, you are wise, Mamma. I feel some curiosity over her. I have a vague recollection of a brilliant, beautiful child who seemed very much out of place in that quiet farmhouse. But it is so long ago. Looking at his daughter, the Duke hardly realized how long it was. She did not look one year older. Perhaps the delicate state of her health had preserved her face from all marks of time. The calm, high-bred features were unruffled as ever. There was not one line on the fair brow, nor round the calm, serene lips. 
the fair hair was abundant and shining as ever the light of the proud brilliant eyes was undimmed time indeed seemed to have stood still for lady estelle herford it might be that she had escaped the wear and tear of emotion so had had nothing to mar the calm serenity of her life or her features she went back to her post at the window and stood once more looking out over the trees she remained silent dreamy abstracted while the duke and duchess discussed their affairs their tenants friends and neighbors estelle said the duke at length are you going to drive to-day no papa i think not i do not care to go the duke and duchess exchanged glances my dear estelle said the duke gravely i wish that you did feel interested in going out or in anything else we were in great hopes your mother and i that when you returned you would show a little more animation a little more interest in the world around you more capacity for enjoyment could you not throw off that languor and be bright animated and happy she smiled and if that smile concealed any pain no one knew it i am happy papa she said but my languor is i suppose part of myself i should not know how to throw it off i suppose the right thing to do when you propose a walk or a drive on this lovely may morning would be to blush to glow and dimple i'm really sorry that i'm so fashioned by nature as to find anything of the kind impossible the duke rose from his seat and went to his daughter he placed his arm round the stately figure do you think that i'm scolding you estelle he said i shall never do that nor could i be more proud of you than i am it is only for your own sake that i speak to you and because i long to see you happy i should like to see you married estelle and to hold my grandchildren in my arms before i die she started the calm face grew a shade paler then she clasped her arms round his neck i'm so happy with you and mamma she replied i do not want any other love the next minute she had quitted the room the duchess looked at her husband with a smile it is useless she said estelle's like no other woman in the world i do not think she is capable of love i do not think the man is born who could win from her a kindly smile a warm word or a loving look she loves us no one else i have watched her year after year and feel sure of it it is strange too said the duke for the herefords are not a cold-hearted race and you really think she will never marry i feel sure of it i do not think she will ever like any one well enough there is variety in all creation we must not be surprised to find it in ladies the day fixed for the tenants dinner came around and among the others mark brace arrived at the castle in a state of great joy there had been great excitement at the brackenside when the invitation reached there and mark with considerable difficulty had mastered it you are to dine at the castle said doris with that quickness which seemed to take everything in at one glance then for once in your life you must have a suit of clothes that pretend to fit you 
Yours always look as though you had found them by accident and met with considerable difficulty in the way of putting them on. Mark laughed, but Patty took up the cudgels for her husband. I am sure your father always looks nice, Doris. Why, mother, how can you judge? It is not the coat that makes the man, said Patty. Doris laughed. You are all brimful of good sentiments, but you're quite wrong. Broadcloth makes its way where fustian is trampled underfoot. I know all about the genuine stamp, a man's being a man for all that, but it is great nonsense. You believe me, father, there is much in having good clothes. The habit makes the monk. They looked at her in wonder, as they generally did when she talked above them. Have some good clothes, Doris continued. You have no idea how much the other tenants will respect you if you are well-dressed and show a good gold chain. Mark laughed. The cynicism of Doris always amused him. Here he saw some glimmer of sense in what she said. So Mark went to Quainton, an adjacent town, and ordered a suit of the finest broadcloth. Great was the excitement when it came home, and the honest farmer stood arrayed in all his glory. He looked very delighted, but stiff and uncomfortable. His arms seemed longer than ever, his hands redder and more awkward. Still, he tried to do honor to his new estate by carrying it off boldly. To his wife, he confided, that he should not always like being a gentleman, to be dressed so tightly. And Mark's wife flung her loving arms round his neck. You are a gentleman, she said, one of nature's very own. The whole family stood by the gate to see Mark drive off. Doris had placed a white rose in his buttonhole. His wife and daughter watched him with pride and exultation in their hearts. While Doris thought to herself that, after all, even a broadcloth suit could not make what she called a gentleman. I'm sure that no one in the room will look so nice as your father, said Mrs. Brace proudly. The glories of the new broadcloth had dazzled her. Mattie quite agreed with her, while Doris, with a mocking smile, went away. End of section 17